It's wonderful that so many of you have stepped up and registered to partner in future multifamily opportunities together. We follow a very strict vetting process when selecting our operating partners, and all of which have a serious track record, at least five years of experience, at least 2,500 doors that they've actually managed and owned, and over $250,000 of assets under management. These kind of guidelines help make sure that we are investing together in some phenomenal, phenomenal deals. And you can learn more by registering at the slash invest. These institutional style investments bring benefits to busy professionals and real estate entrepreneurs looking to reduce their taxes and increase their returns. And you can join us by getting started at the slash invest. I look forward to seeing you on the next deal. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. When it comes to real estate investing, raising capital is critical to success. And in today's episode, we dive in with Dan Sitoski, who is an absolute expert at going out and finding capital. And we walk through the specific steps that he uses in his own business to go out and find capital, to go and work directly with those folks, building relationship, and most importantly, making the ask for them to join up and work with you in the future. This is chocked full of information and some stories about how Dan ended up getting to this place of being an expert capital raiser. I've listened to it multiple times and I know that you are as well. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am excited. I have Dan Sitoski in the studio today. How you doing, Dan? Great, Steve. Thanks so much for having me on. I look forward to doing this. Yeah. Well, as you guys know, Dan is a real estate investor focused on raising private money, uh, doing notes, all kinds of things. And over the years, he's flipped thousands of houses, worked in commercial, uh, you know, buys notes, and is author of uh, Amazon bestselling book, Passive to Prosperous. So definitely excited to get into the mindset of raising capital and understanding how to go through, you know, difficult times or a changing market because he's been there. He's done that. And we're definitely gonna be able to dig into that. You ready to get into it, Dan? I'm looking forward to this. All right. That's what I like to hear. So if we start out by taking a look back earlier in your life, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Well, I appreciate you asking that. Growing up, that's really how I'm shaped. Uh, growing up, I did have a great role model, my grandfather. He came here from Europe, uh, lived a very tough life himself to get here, um, worked his, his tail off. Um, but as he was working, he took his money and he bought some real estate. And he, he amassed a nice little portfolio of real estate. So I always was enamored by rental income. And going into the Navy, um, I also uh, bought my first rental property 19 when I was going into the Navy. And I did that, and I went, it was funny because I was making more money in rental income than I was in my Navy boot camp salary of $248 every two weeks. So, um, but growing up, I had a really tough, not, not that I was homeless or anything, but a really tough childhood with family. Uh, mother left the house. She was not really a loving mother. She took off on us when I was a teenager. 
My father was there to take care of us. We had a roof over our head, food, but no money for extras. He was not kind of not around. It was kind of, we were kind of left on our own as teenagers, my, my, myself and my brother. And it was almost to the point of embarrassment. You know, we didn't have money when friends would go out. Uh, we couldn't join them because I didn't have money to join them. And I started working when I was young to pay for my own stuff. And I always swore to myself back then I would never, ever raise my kids like that. I would never not have money. I always thought success was having money. So I grew up with a lot of jealousy and, and, and a lot of, a lot of um, resentment and stuff like that. And when I got out of the Navy, I started really hitting hard into the real estate game. And I wanted to be rich so bad. To me, success was being rich, right? Rich with money. And I, that's why I started, you know, flipping houses, even through, I was a police officer, even during that, I was flipping properties, I was buying properties, I was buying land, buying hotels, commercial buildings. Um, I did everything I could do to chase money. And, and I did very well. I'm not going to complain. I was flipping at the time when I was, when I was hot and happy, I was flipping 50 plus properties a year minimum, sometimes up to 80 properties a year. And I was netting generally about 70, 80, $90,000 a property, sometimes more. So I was making multiple seven figures a year over a year and year out. And I was doing everything, I was doing everything without money that you would think that's successful that everyone's show, showboating on my friend Matt calls a fake book. So everybody's putting out there. You know, I had the cars, I had the most beautiful cars you can imagine. Yes, I did have them. I have the watch. I mean, I still have the watch collection, um, boats. And to me, that was success. And then I was working so hard, 100 plus hours a week, that, you know, my wife and I was missing kids events. My wife was miserable because I was never home. And I thought I was doing everything right because I grew up and I said, you know what? We had nothing. So I was giving you the cars you wanted, the jewelry you wanted, the vacations you wanted, the, 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 everything you wanted. And she was miserable. And I almost lost my wife and, and, and kids basically because I was never around. So when you think about it, the reason I was doing everything I was doing, right, to working so hard to make money is because I said I was never going to be miserable. I was never going to answer to anybody else. I was going to, you know, have time to do what I wanted with my family when I wanted and how I wanted, but I wasn't doing it. I was doing it. My, my vision was one way. My actions were totally different. So at that point, I'm going to fast forward a little bit to that. From that point, I'm talking about making, you know, let's say 70, 80, $90,000 per flip and doing 50 plus of them a year to now turn around and say, what am I going to do? I mean, my wife told me, you're a horrible husband, you're a horrible father, you're not here for them. It was like putting a knife in my back. Like, I thought I was doing everything phenomenal. I thought it was the best husband in the world. I get goosebumps talking about it now. I thought it was the best father in the world. I was swore I would never be like my parents. And now she just hit me with, hey, you're just like your parents. You're not around. And I'm like, whoa, this is horrible because I gave you everything you wanted. And it came down to, I had to sit there, and I still remember, I was actually crying when she told me this. I dropped to my knees and I was crying. I'm in full, full um, honesty. And I remember, and I'm choking up now, and I remember sitting there, and uh, I'm like, well, what do I do? I don't know how to really do anything else. Like, I know how to flip out. I know how to make a lot of money. But, like, she's telling me it's not working. Like, I'm in this quadrant. What do I do? So, I'm like, I need to build a passive income. And, you know, $300 a month or $200 a month on a house wasn't as sexy as $50,000 a house, Right. Yeah, well, you get end up you end up getting caught up, especially as a flipper, you end up getting caught up in this like, well, I could make 50,000 or I could make $300 a month. And it's like, obviously, I'm going to take 50, but the 50 takes so much more time. So it's like you were driven to go and create income and wealth for your family. And then uh, the, the motives because you grew up without it. 
ended up driving you down a path that didn't actually get you where you wanted to go. So you kind of took your your eye off the road while you were driving with the foot all the way down because you thought you were headed in the right direction. But, you know, thank God that you guys were able to have that conversation and share openly that, hey, things were not going well. Right. And that's why I, I put the story out there so much. And that's why my book is called Passive Income to a Prosperous Life. So Passive to Prosperous. That's why my teachings, my public speaking, I get brought in as keynote speaker. I'm a sales trainer. When I said it's like $50,000, a lot more sexy than $300 a month. But when you do $300 a month, a couple hundred times, it gets pretty damn sexy, right? Now I have the time over since, you know, essentially, really since 2011, I, I think I really hit it hard. But since 2009, I kind of started making that change. And um, now I have more time than I ever had to do what I truly love to do which is not chasing money. I'm so non-money-motivated. I know that's a cliche. And I know a lot of people say it. But I mean, I've been, especially now, every week I'm presented with opportunities to get involved where I can make a lot of money. And I just look at it. And if, it takes, if it's not my vision, if it's not my mindset, I have to, if I have to take on something that I don't want to do, I don't do it anymore because I'm not chasing the money. It's not about the money for me anymore. My life motivation is time. You finally got in some actual alignment so that you were clear on what it was that you were actually trying to accomplish and making sure that everything went through that lens. Exactly. 100%. And that's my goal is to get that out there to everybody. And I think a lot has to do with, and if you back it up, if you back this out of, of when you talk about what is your vision, why are you doing what you do? And then how do you get there? Okay. And to me, it, it, I was, I was hauled up by banks and hard money lenders back then, right? I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Because when I had a hard money lender, they'd give me money at high interest rates, points, draw schedule fees, inspection fees, um, six months to a year. I couldn't play around with rentals. It just didn't work. Economically, it doesn't work, right? And banks stop lending, like a lot of non-QM banks stop lending right now. How do you get out of these hard money loans? So I had it. The only way this worked for me, the only way in 2009, I swore to myself that, that this was going to work for me is I needed to raise private money. And I was raising a you know, a little bit, 500,000 to a million at the time before that. I wasn't raising a lot. But in 2009, I swore to myself, I will never base my business over hard money under a bank ever again. Now, do I use banks to, to refi out some of, my, some of my rentals? Sure. But I pay those off really quick. Do I use hard money lenders? No, I don't use hard money lenders. Everything I do is private money. So obviously you, you got burned pretty bad. You made some big changes in your life. Uh, tell us, what is your focus today? As an investor, what are you? what is your focus right now? What is it that you do? Sure, I give you my elevator pitch. <laughs> and everyone should have one, right? My elevator pitch is I, I raise private capital to buy distressed debt in emerging markets, paying my investors better than average returns. Which that, what that means is, and I kind of stopped there and I just, I wanted to give that to your audience because a lot of times I ask people, I go to events or I speak and they come up and they want to meet or talk to me. And I'm like, so what do you do? And I'm a real estate investor. I'm a realtor. Uh, I'm an engineer. They just don't. So why are you here? Do you need money? Yes. Well, why don't you tell me that? So what do I do is I generally buy, I raise capital, right? I raise a decent amount of capital because I buy debt, either non-performing notes, REOs, tax liens or deeds, or even distressed sellers. But I, a lot of times I buy direct from the bank. So I look at big pools of assets and I may take down one asset at a time. I may take down 50 at a time, 100 at a time, 10 at a time. 
And hard money is not, it's not going to work for this because I'm not, I'm not going to be out of these in six months or less. All right. So that's what I do. And I turn these assets into nice quality properties. I'm usually in class B to C areas and emerging markets. All right. And I turn them into nice rental properties and I get a place with property management and I either keep them myself or I help my investors. I have a pool of investors that come to me. You know, your doctors, lawyers, are not only United States, they're in different, I work with a lot of people in Canada, Israel, uh, Canada and Israel right now. I'm working with some stuff, some people possibly in Portugal as well. But I'm working with these people that they want to invest their money in the United States. They want decent returns and decent quality properties with less headaches of good property managers. I will sell these properties to those investors for either cash or in seller financing. Okay. I love to sell and sell financing with a down payment because then I create a seller finance note for myself. I don't have to worry about tenants, toilets, or trash doing that. And now I create passive income. And I have a pretty two thirds of my portfolio is seller finance notes. So generally, it's the only business in the world where I think you could truly, I don't care what you do. Rentals are great. I love rentals. I have one third of my portfolio is all single family rentals now. Um, rentals are great if you do the rentals the right way, in the right area with the right tenants. But seller finance notes are the absolute best business in the world. Becoming the bank is the best business in the world because I truly can leave the country for a year if I want, not do anything, not touch anything, not see a check, not get on the phone, not deal with a tenant. Everything's handled by my servicing company. My servicing company, ACH, is it right to my account. It's a lot simpler of a business model, it sounds like. It's, it's the ultimate, I'm telling you, Steven, it's the ultimate business model people strive to get to. Because when you start, you know how people start in real estate world. They start usually as wholesalers, right? Then they become, then they start saying, well, I want wholesale. I'm only making five to $20,000. And there's flippers making 50 to 100,000. I'm going to be a flipper, right? So they start flipping. Then they realize, hey, I hate this transactional business because it's driving me nuts. And I want to like hang out with my family or my friends and I can't do that. And I could do great this month and then come next month, I have no money. Or we have this pandemic and we have no money. So they decide, all right, I have to build a rental portfolio. I have to create some wealth. So they do that and then they transfer that into seller financing. So that's the spectrum of how a lifestyle, it's almost like, you know, the evolution of man, right? We started off on all fours and we started standing up straight and we became human beings, right? We started off as apes and we became human beings. That's the evolution of a real estate investor. But I always tell people, you don't want to truly be all seller financing because that's a passive investment. You need some active investments as well. And the, the negative about seller financing, when people pay you off, you don't have anything anymore. But you, when you have a lot of them, it's okay. So I keep my portfolio, I keep one third of it active investments. And the properties I keep in my portfolio are very generally high-end rentals. Economically, they don't work for other people. For us, they work because we have a lot of cash flow. So a lot of times we're buying these for cash at this point. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I want to focus in on something that I think is going to be really powerful for people because there's a lot of limiting beliefs about raising money. There's a lot that goes into this thing that real estate investors or you know entrepreneurs of any level, when they're going out and they're trying to raise, they end up running into some roadblocks. And so I'd love to talk about what are some of the biggest limiting beliefs that you think people have when it comes to raising money? Um, I'm not experienced. Some of the limiting beliefs I hear is I'm not experienced enough. I don't know enough people to go to. My friends and family don't have money. I don't have a team in place. I don't have my own money. I hear that a lot too. Um, that's generally the top probably four or five I hear all the time. The biggest is I don't know people. And how do we overcome those beliefs? 
Well, you do. You have to believe in yourself. And here's a couple of things. When you say those questions is you got to understand that even myself, I, I've raised over $30 million and use it in $200 million of velocity. So, and I only have 42 investors. Okay. And they're not all active at all times, right? I have 42 people. I don't go out and crazy and try to build a ton of, because I don't need a ton of money at this point. Uh, I know people that have two to 300 investors and you can keep building them. I'll t- when I, when the reason I said I have 42 is because maybe three of them prior to when I started really focusing on raising private money, maybe three of them are friends and family. The rest are people I never knew before I started. So I'll take that limited belief away. Okay. You do know more than other people. You just have to know, you just have to know a little bit more. When you say you don't have a team, you most certainly have a team, right? Because even if I ask you right now where you invest, you would tell me who's on your team. How do you know what the comps in that area are? How do you know what the rental numbers in that area are? How do you know who the contractors in that area are? Um, you certainly have a team. You just don't believe you have a team, right? So you have your realtors, you have your contractors, you have your property managers, you have your project managers, you have your realtor, I mean, your attorneys, your title companies. You certainly have a team, all right? And you certainly know why you're investing in that market because if you don't, why would you, why would you waste your time there? So explain to me why you're investing in the market you're in. If you're in Memphis, Tennessee, what, why Memphis, Tennessee? Why Birmingham, Alabama? Why Dayton, Ohio? What's there? All right. Why are you investing there? You better be able to tell me. I think the limiting belief, it's not even so much the limiting beliefs. I think it's the laziness of investors, you know, and that's why the top investors do well. I have a lot of people ask me for money and I, I, I do lend, but I only lend to right now two people that have been doing business with a while. I like to bet on the jockey, not the horse. I think we spoke about this on one of your other podcasts. Um, I'm very big on betting on the jockey, not the horse. So when they come to me with, with requests for me to fund their deal, a lot of times it's, hey, I have a deal. Would you want to fund it $150,000? They don't even give me the address. And then if they give me the address, there's no supporting doc- documentation with that. I don't have a scope of work. I don't have a draw schedule. I don't have a bio. I don't have, I don't have their team. Who's the contractor? Who's doing the work? I don't have a license from the contractor. I don't have any insurance. I don't have an application from them to show me what, they're, what, what do they have in reserves? How can they support this deal if it goes sideways? How are they going to protect me? So we do, we do all those things. We, I do it for myself. I teach my students how to do it. That you have, you have a leg up. You have to bring value to somebody, right? And the other thing is people don't start looking for money until they need it. And that's absolutely wrong. That's the word. Right now, I think we talked about this before, Stephen. This is the best time. I hate to I hate to use something like this for to take advantage. I don't think I'm taking advantage, but I think I'm taking advantage of my business. This is the best time right now. You're quarantining your house. You have the opportunity to watch Netflix, watch what's going on on Facebook and social media, or the misery. Watch the fear mongering going on. Watch the people saying the world's going to end. Or you can tune all that out and stay late to focus and say, I'm going to learn how to raise private money. This is Dan Zatowski in 2009. I did it because it was it wasn't a pandemic. I did it because at the time, hard money lenders did exactly what they did now. They pulled out of the business. Okay, most of them. Some of them are still in. But the ones that are in are lending less money now. And they're making a whole 12 months reserve break, spring 12 months reserves. Who can afford that? You know, a lot of these new investors, they can't afford that. Okay? And I don't blame the hard money lenders. They want to protect themselves. They shouldn't. They're smart. And the banks, the banks, a lot of them, non-QM banks are pulling out as well. So this is 2009 all over again right now today. You have probably a good two to three months that you can really put your business together and you could do a ton of damage in two to three months, a ton of damage. 
So on the money raising side, it sounds like what you're saying is you need to really position yourself as a professional and provide, you know, the evidence that, hey, you first off, not only do you have the experience, if you're going to go raise money, you've got the experience or you're attached to a team that has the experience. But once you're actually in that process, make sure that you're presenting yourself as a professional by putting together, you know, the the bio and, and outlining who the team is and putting all these documents together that end up showing, hey, it's kind of like the uh, preponderance of evidence here shows that this is a deal and that I know what the heck I'm talking about. And therefore, you should trust me to invest in. Right. And I always teach people, I say, it's like, show you the expert, don't tell that you're the expert, right? There's so much with social media days right now. You got to remember 2009, I didn't have Zoom. I didn't have Facebook Live. I didn't have Insta, Insta Live. I didn't have TikTok, all these things. That, I mean, I don't even know half these things they have anymore. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm getting old. Um, but now the, the mode of, of communication is so easy. And you can pick up your phone. You can just turn it around on Facebook Live and say, this is what I'm doing. Um, go out there. You can literally put together. I teach my students how to put together a book in less than five or six hours for less than a thousand dollars. Now this book took me seven years to write seven years because I actually physically wrote the book. Okay. And it took me almost $30,000. It's not like that anymore. Okay. You can actually put a book together. And like I said, about five hours for less than a thousand dollars yourself. So let's hit, hit, let's hit the tactical stuff here. Just stay, stay on, on this track of raising some capital. So yep. we, we start believing that we can do it. We we're, we're, we're putting together the evidence that shows that we can, because most of the people who are listening have done some real estate. And if not, then, you know, you're attached to somebody who's doing it. What are the conversations that you're having with people as far as, uh, introducing them to what you're doing and, What's different about that right now? Because what I'm hearing from a lot of people is that, well, hey, everyone's sitting on the sidelines. People are saying, hey, I don't really want to put money to work right now. Uh, I don't know what's going on. And so what, how does that talk track go if you're just getting started right now and things are changing? Or, you know, for all the listeners who are listening to this 6, 12, 18 months down the road, this stuff applies always. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. That's a great question, um, and it's it's incredibly inaccurate, and I can tell you that because I my calls I've reached out to every one of my forty two lenders on my list. Not like it's a lot. I've had I've had conversations with almost every one of them, right? Or emails at least with the ones I haven't had conversations with. And people I just pinged back last week already asked me if I have anything else for their money. They're going to trust you, right? They might not invest, and I'm and I'm not using fear mongering for people that are traders in the stock market, people that know what they're doing, people that are buying options in the stock market. You know, I don't like to say, hey, the stock market got hit hard, put your money in real estate. Because the real estate market gets hit hard too, and, and it's not vice versa, okay? But what you need to do is you need to you need to position yourself as an expert right now. Think about this. I just went through with my students, and in my group page, I just gave a free training. I said, at this point, go to your local area, your local businesses in the area. All these businesses are getting hurt right now. Talk to them, be an education resource. You don't have to be the expert, but you can bring the experts on. So right now they're talking about the SBA loans and the um, IBEL uh, loans and, and uh, Family Medical Leave Act. Well, why don't you invite all the business owners in your network, in your local region, to a webinar and bring an expert, a CPA or tax attorney on. You don't have to be the expert, 
bring them on as a resource and let's talk about how you can help your business. How about if we bring the business owners on a different webinar and we talk about how you can pay your kids and you can have your kids pay for their college education, okay? And you can start talking about the Coverdell account and how your kids can invest in real estate. You could talk about how you can do solo 401ks as a business, pay yourself and your wife and your kids and your business. And you don't have to be the expert. You could actually talk about it and then have it backed up by a CPA, have it backed up by an IRA company, a custodian. So you could provide a lot of value. And that's what I'm saying, content, content. Exactly what you're doing, Steve, and you're doing a phenomenal job. You're bringing so much content to people, right? So now let me ask you something. If you tell a teacher business owner how to, how to pay their kids up to 18 years old, tax-free, right, up to $12,200. Now, you don't have to give them the whole thing, but up to $12,200, you could pay them tax-free if they're under 18 years old. Now, let's say you have two kids. You're talking about over $24,000 they can invest in this real estate deal. That's how my kids' college education has been paid, by the way. Two kids already go through, not one student loan, okay? Solo 401ks. You could teach, a lot of business owners don't know about solo 401ks. If they don't have employees, you could teach them about solo 401ks. If they have employees, you could do like KIOs or SEPs. They can self-direct that. They can invest in real estate. So if you bring them on and you say, listen, I'm here to help you bring value to you. So I'm giving, giving, giving. Well, if I invest in this cover, now great. Great, Steven, I'm, a, I'm a, a business owner. I invested in my kid's Coverdell account. That's cool. I got three kids under 18 years old. I put 36, up to $36,800 in there. Don't have to do the whole thing. But you want to make sure you do it the right way. Okay, there's a way to do it wrong and a way to do it right. And you want to check your account. But you had me put $36,000 into these covered, into this, this self-directed IRA for my kids or $2,000 a year each for my kid's Coverdell. What do I do with it? Who do you think they're coming to? Yeah, they're going to come to they're going to come to you as the expert. Well, what do you know? I have this deal. I have this deal. I, have this deal. I can get you in if it fits your needs. Here's the deal: you would get this kind of return on your money in this amount of time, and it's backed by a first position note in my real in real estate. Does that interest you? So those are the, those are the conversations. The difference. That's how I built my business. I found out how I can help business. I did everything possible. And I really, what I went after is accredited type business owners. My best, my best money raising uh, investor, believe it or not, I'm not into artwork at all. Um, if you're looking over my head, you might see my only one piece of artwork. It's a cartoon, a lithograph cartoon, but I'm not into artwork. Uh, family members, uncle had uh, a 60th birthday party at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. We went to the birthday party. It was a closed off room. They had wine, they had appetizers, and we walk around looking at art. And I'm a half a jokester in character. Obviously, I'm making fun of some of the art. Well, the gentleman walks over to me and he says, so what do you know about the art? And I really didn't know much at all. And I was like, Joe, I, and I kind of like, it was embarrassed. And what his first, one of his first questions is, I'm David, what's your name? I'm Dan. He goes, what do you do? And I, had, I came out with my elevator pitch and I shut up. And we had a great conversation for about 40 minutes, just back and forth conversation. The next day, the family member called my wife and said, David wants to meet with Dan for coffee. I'm like, we talk about investing. Like, why does he want to meet with me? Well, I was about two hours away. He was in Manhattan. I live in Delaware now. So I went out and I met with him. Great conversation. To this day, he's probably invested $8 million. Now, I don't mean $8 million at once. $8 million back and forth. So one of my best investors, right? Because I provided him a ton of value. And we started talking about then is, do you know you can invest your IRA in real estate? And he goes, yeah, they got REITs. And I said, no, you can invest. And we had these conversation. And he started moving his money to self-directed IRAs. And that's what we used. So I really focus on key on helping people 
probably in like their 40, 40s, 30s to 40s, they have, think about it, right? If you're 40 years old, you're not using your IRA money for another 20 years to your minimum 59 and a half. So do I have to worry about you having your money in six months? And a lot of these people in their IRAs, they don't use it at a level off. They don't want the money monthly. They don't want it quarterly. They don't even want it. They're like, just hold it. Just hold it. We can't legally hold it. We pay it back and we use it again. But they don't even care about getting it back right away because they can't use it for 20 years. They don't want to deal with dealing with the account. They don't want to deal with the transaction fees. We cover that anyway, but they don't want to even deal with it. So it's who you're dealing with. Here's the other problem. Most people hang in the, mur in the murky waters. And I say that as you've got a lot of real estate investors on this, on this panel, on this group right now. How many of them go out and they think that they're networking by going to a local RIA or going to local meetups or they're, they're the professional event goers. They go to every real estate investing event there is. They buy tickets for every mastermind they see online. And they're hanging out with all the other real estate investors and they're talking about how they're crushing it. You know what? They're cool to go to once in a while because we all know, I mean, I speak at them sometimes and we all know a lot of same people. And we just have a good time. It's nice to go. But I never, ever raise money in events like that. People come to me all the time and I'm just like, I'm not the right fit for you. Right? Where do I raise my money? What is my hobbies? I'm into this wine. I like a good cigar. I'm into boating. So I'm part of a yacht club. I hang out at a fishing. There's a retirement community not far from me. They have a fishing club. They go on three fishing trips a year. I'd usually do one of them, maybe two. Um, I'm part of a veteran organization. I pay for the vets to go. We take the old people, old, older people out. We go fishing. All of them have retired. All of them have 401ks or retirements. They all love what I do. So I'm hanging out. I have another one. I have another one where I go to antique cars, uh, Mustang Club. So I go there. They have money. Those are the places I raise my capital from. I don't raise them ever at meetup groups. I don't I mean, meetup groups like for real estate investors. Um, I don't raise them at RIA groups. I don't raise them at all these. Everybody's putting on a mastermind with 300 people. I don't, I don't know how that's a mastermind. 300 people in a mastermind, but that's where they go. And everybody, because let me ask you something. Is somebody at that event, at a RIA event, going to be happy making 6 7 8% interest only on their money? They're, they're not. They're, they have a totally different set of expectations. And I think it's so good to underline here that really what you're saying is that this is about building relationships, that raising money is about not asking for money. It's about figuring out and being confident in what you're delivering and how you're delivering value. Deliver it to them over and over again, where you're teaching them, where you're educating them, where you're building that thought leadership, whether that's one-on-one -on -one or through a podcast or through a webinar or through you know a, a sit-down event that you end up putting on for a small group of people. And then it's at some point, once you've understood and you've got to know that person, then you say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. And eventually someone's going to say, hey, well, how do I get involved in that? And uh, it's a process that you can systematize and you can do on a regular basis, but it really just comes down to getting to know other people, getting out there, talking about what you do and having a really good way to do it. Right. I'm thinking outside the box. Like I said, it's, I show people in my, in my group how to go about and just meet the, how to find the local businesses in your area. I mean, I can tell you this. I'll tell you, listen, is this little trick. I mean, I'd write this down to little listeners right now. Is go into your local, just type in Google search, whatever county you're in. Type in, you know, San Diego County. Like, what county do you live in, Steve? I live in Denver County. Okay, so Denver County Chamber of Commerce. Go in there and go to the member directory list. Pull all the members in that directory. Skip trace their names because you want to get their home address. 
send a nice piece of mail to their home address, personalize it to them, not a yellow letter, not a postcard or anything like that. Treat them like five-star and invite them into your online meetup that you're doing to help them during this time of need. How can I help you during this time of need? What I'm going to do is I know business owners are getting hurt right now. I'm bringing on an expert. Everybody here knows somebody that's an expert in the SPA loans right now because people have been studying it. I know a couple of attorneys that are really good with it. I'd bring on an expert. I want to bring on somebody that I value to help you. Okay, right now. And maybe next week you talk about, you know, paying your kids. The week after you talk about FMLA. The week after you talk about solo 401ks. The week after you talk about self-directed IRAs. The week after you talk about business uh, insurance. Bring on experts, guys. You bring a value to them. You're the expert. You're the go-to. I mean, let's be honest. If you have a podcast, one of the top podcasts, and that's why I'm honored to be on here because I listen to your podcast. Um, you have a phenomenal podcast. So people look up to you. You're an expert because you have a podcast. I have a book. I mean, literally, I told you, you could write a book in less than five hours and for less than $1,000 and you'd be the expert. I also make my students, I force them to write a book. Okay? Why don't you put out a book? Put out a book on what you're doing in your business because if you have a book, you're the expert. Imagine sending a free book to every business owner in your county. And in your book, it kind of talks about your meetup event, your, which is an online event now, right? In the future, it won't be online, which is your podcast, which is whatever you do. It's so easy to do these days. It used to be $200,000 to do a 30-second commercial. Now it's like a million dollars. Now you have your phone. You can do a commercial anytime you want. So you have the ability, you just gotta be different than everybody else. Everybody wants the easy way out. Everybody has a limited mindset that there's no money out there scared right now. That's wrong, there's, the scared money is because the people you're dealing with. How about all those people that have money sitting right now that don't trade stocks, like your doctors, your lawyers, your veterinarians, your auto auctioneers, your high-end auctioneers, your, um, your farmers, your farmers have a lot of money. Your, um, your, your car, um, your automobile dealership owners, they have a lot of money. They're not there right now trading stocks. Because if you know how to trade stocks, you can make money right now. I don't know how to trade stocks. I think I have like $15,000 in stock, and I don't even look at it. I bought some more stock last week, but I just, I'm just going to let it sit because I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm not going to put all my money in stock market and trade stocks, but I have money sitting. I want to invest in a hard asset. So explain to them, teach them why a hard asset is a great investment. Don't say invest with me. Teach them why it's a great asset. Teach them why this economy is a great time to look at real estate investments. Teach them whatever market you're in, what job growth, what job growth is going in right now because that'll make them feel more comfortable. Listen, the rental market, people always need houses to live in. If you're in an emerging market with a ton of job growth, this is the best time in the world to invest in real estate. The best. It doesn't go up or down with the economy. People always, if banks stop lending, my rents will even go higher. Right? If banks stop lending, my seller financing will even go up in the roof, through the roof. So it's, you, you got to look outside what, and, and I'm saying people are buying into what social media is showing them, right? The world's coming apart because social media says it's coming apart. If we look at the facts and we just close our eyes to that and we refuse to let that get to our head, then we'll do so much better. And I just gave you a ton of, a ton of options just now where you're in place today, Stephen, to take advantage of this right now. But I gave you a list of this right now. Like every county they live in, they could go to the Chamber of Commerce and pull a list of at least a few hundred. And I'm going to say do your local county because, you, you know, when this comes through, you want to be able to sit down with these people and shake their hand face-to-face, -face, have a cup of coffee, and ask them what is their risk level. Um, 
what are they comfortable doing? What are they not comfortable doing? How much money are they working with? Do they need that money monthly, weekly? I mean, monthly, quarterly, annually at the end of a deal? When are they ready to go? Where's the money now? Do you need to help them set up a self-directed IRA, solo 401k? Okay, I help a lot of them because they don't know how to do it. So I help them set it up. It's very easy to set it up, but they're like, I don't, it's science to me, science project for them. You, it's easy. You fill out the paperwork with them. You help them wire their funds in there. You having a rep at a, a, a custodian. You should have a custodian that you work with. So you have a relationship with them. It's like, hey, John, Sally, here's my, here's my investor, Steve. Can you work with him, helping him get his account set up? Great. You become the liaison. If you're the liaison, you, they're not going, I have people, my, I've, just so you know, I have investors that have told me already, they said, Dan, if you got anything, I'm cool with 5% right now. I'll jump into a deal as long as it's a good deal. I'm just not giving my money to anyone else right now. I trust you. So it's a, they trust the jockey, not the horse. There's so much here, you guys, and I really hope and I really encourage anybody who's thinking about raising money or or let's be real. Everyone who's in real estate needs to be good at this skill. So I really encourage you guys to re-listen through this, get out your pen and paper, write down some of these strategies and take action on some of them. So we've only got a few minutes left to wrap up. So I've got a couple quick questions uh, that I like to ask every single time. So tell me, Dan, you know, how do you define success and what is success to you? Uh, define sex by very simple. Sit down and write your eulogy. And when you write your eulogy and you write, you might start crying, that's how I define success. What will people say about you? What will your legacy be? That's how I define success. And it's very deep when I say that, but you can actually take that, take that you and your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, partner, whoever it is, write that about each other. Hmm. You'll be, your eyes will open. That's how I define success. And that's changed a lot for me over the last 10 to 12 years. Wow. I, I really like that. And what are some of your keystone habits, the things you do on a regular basis that have led to some of your success? I stay very focused on my vision. If I stop chasing money, um, because that's when, when I start chasing money, I fall off my vision. When I fall off my vision, back to my eulogy, that would change. That's huge. Well, we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. Tell us, Dan, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? Well, I got to say my book, Pass of the Prosperous. But, um, the, the one that's probably impacted me the most is something very similar to my book was Life and Air. Um, the Banker's Code by George Antone is something that I really love because it resonates with me in the business sense the most. Hmm. I've heard of that book. I haven't read it. Definitely adding that to the top of my list. And from inspiration, what impact have mentors made on your life? And how do you look at going out and finding great mentors? Um, that's a great question. Um, I just brought on somebody I've been with, somebody, uh, Sean McCloskey from Life. And he was with Life and that's Leadership Boardroom. And he's the closest that aligns to me on vision, right? It's not, not business, even though we talk business and life vision, but we align so much. And when you get with somebody that you align with and somebody that does exactly, um, that understands you and is honest enough and humble enough to tell you, hey, I'm throwing off my vision a little bit too. I need to be held accountable. That's how you, that's what you do. So I have two mentors. Um, he's one of them. I also have somebody that was a bit, that's a business mentor to me that pushes me in business. But right now for my, my sense myself, um, I need to be laser focused on my vision because when I fall off my personal vision, then everything's out of alignment. Like if I go out and I try to do a business because it's going to make me a lot of money and it takes time away from me, well, that takes me off my personal vision and then I'm out of alignment. So that's how you, you have to really go deep. You have to understand who you are, what you want your life to be, what the perfect day is. Don't, don't be an engineer in this. Don't say you can't do it because 
just put it on paper. What is the perfect day for Stephen going to be right now? If I could do anything I want and then make sure your vision aligns to that. Because if something, if you say, I want to spend time, you know, sitting on the beach four hours a day writing and you're taking on something that's going to, you become a roofer because you can make a million dollars, but now you're working 16 hours a day that takes away from your vision. That's the perfect, when you have a mentor that can keep you aligned, that's what it's all about. Mm. It's so important. It's so important to have a clear purpose and have somebody who can keep you on track towards making sure your life is nothing but that purpose. And so finishing on purpose, what drives you to live your best life every day? My wife and my kids, um, seeing, you know, make being there for them, being a positive role model in their lives, uh, being a positive role model in my students' life and living my legacy. I have a legacy to create financial literacy costs for youth around the world. Um, that's really where I'm laser focused. I like using funds I have now to give back to communities and organizations. So just being a productive member of society. And I know that's, I could spend a whole two hours talking about that. And I, and I know I'm giving the overview of it and I hate to be so general, but really overall being a productive member of society and changing people's lives rather than changing your own. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, this has been a great conversation. I hope everyone took some notes on some ways that you can go out and raise money and get over some of those limiting beliefs that you guys have. Dan, where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Um, they can go to definitely not my personal page on Facebook because I hit that 5,000 friends limit, so I can't have any more. Uh, I have my Facebook groups, Become a Real Estate Investor with Dan Zatofsky. They can go there. They just have to answer three questions. I also, every time I do podcasts, I give away free cheat sheet to people. Um, when I'm in person, I hand it out, but they can go to PassiveWealthAcademy.com forward slash 42K. They'll get my free cheat sheet that I wrote. And I do, we started moving a lot of our videos up into YouTube. There's a lot of content there. I try to give as much free stuff. All of this is free guys. I'm not charging for any of this. So on our YouTube page is under Zatofsky Capital Management. Go there. We, they're going to see our videos. They're great um, educational videos. And every week we're adding more and more. We have so many videos in the library. We just, our team is trying to add them as fast as we could. But um, there's a ton of knowledge out there in our videos. Well, that's awesome. And, and go take advantage of some of these free gifts. And, you know, we'll obviously have all the notes or all the links in the show notes for you guys. So I'll leave you as I always leave you. You know, remember to go out and live a life worth inspiring others. And you can do so today by actually applying some of these lessons we learned with Dan directly in your own business. See you guys on the other side. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.